0: We had no ambition with it, because there was nothing to have an ambition about. There was no structured scene that you could, like, step up or network with people.
1: It was literally the phone would ring and it would be, like... Felix to House Cat on the phone. <laughs> you know, and, no, no. My, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Tony, there's a guy called Felix to House Cat wants to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it would, <laughs> be, it would be so kind of random. And I guess because it was written on a record or something, someone would phone the number sure. yeah. and say, of Oh, you no, know, we want you to come to pl- and play in Japan. And, and you're like, That's Oh, well, I guess. You know, I'm not. I'm not doing anything else. I
0: mean, so. th- this is the th- the thing is as well. It was so rudimentary at that stage, I and mean, we we really were in the Wild West because yeah. you want to do a gig, sure. Where do you want to? It's getting on an aeroplane to Spain. These forget about yeah. pre-internet. This is pre having yeah. mobile phones, and you could be left in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of rural Spain. Well, no money, no means yeah, communication. Of you, mean. you just wouldn't do that now because it's so yeah. dangerous, and th- so it was the Wild West.
2: Hi, this is Jack Callahan, and you're listening to 400 Floor. You just heard from two luminaries of contemporary electronic music, Anthony Child and Carl O'Connor, respectively known by their individual monikers Surgeon and Regis, as well as for their collaborative project, British Murder Boys. In the early 90s, they took the blueprint of Detroit techno, specifically Jeff Mills' singularly futuristic take on the genre, and melded it with their British industrial and post-punk influences to create a harder-edged sound that became the foundation for all European techno to follow. In this interview, we dig deep into their history together, from growing up in the Midlands and their introduction to the community that facilitated their friendship, to the formation of Carl's label Downwards and Tony's early success in the nascent European techno scene of the 1990s. I spoke to them from Tony's house, which Carl visited for this occasion. As the sprawling conversation unfolds, you may hear the sounds of Tony cooking, the universal superstar we all know and love today, taking care of his beloved cat, and two old friends reflecting on 30 odd years of music and life. This is Domestic Bliss, me and Tony. This episode has been edited from the full conversation, which is available at 400floor.com. That's the number 400 and the word floor.com. This is 400 Floor. Let's go on and get into it. Hi, Carl, and hi, Tony, and thank you for talking with me today. Hello. <laughs> Hello. My pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so do you guys want to talk about where you came from,
1: you know, your
2: primordial origin story?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, so,
1: so I, um, I grew up in small villages around a small town yeah. uh, the town was northampton um uh, it's not really known for it, it's known for quality footwear <laughs> <laughs> that re- really reflects in your in your work yeah yeah but but um actually uh, it's where Bauhaus came from so so that was something kind of interesting and um uh not so far away from there is is rugby which is where spaceman 3 came from so They, they were quite a regular fixture in the kind of gig circuit there. But basically I, when I was at school, you know, there was a very small group of friends who, who were kind of like the weirdos, the outcasts, the queers. Um, and we just, we just grouped together for kind of, uh, safety maybe, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it pra- was just, pra- practical yeah. sense, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, every, and so, you know, I just had a small group of, of, uh, people like that, and we just all, like, kind of various different kinds of weird music, yeah, there was a, there was a very, uh, yeah, there was a very specific moment where, uh, there was a, an art teacher who, who taught some of my friends, he didn't actually directly teach me, but I think during one dinner break, I can't remember. For some reason, he knew I was like interested in like sound or something like that, and he he had a record player and he he played me uh, Robert Fripp and Brian Eno's "No Pussyfooting," and he he put the needle on he put the needle on the record and he's like, "Yeah, it doesn't really sound like much is changing, does it?" And then he kind of skipped it over the over the the side of the vinyl, and you could hear how much it it was kind of developing over the course of that that whole piece and it it was like uh it doesn't sound like much now but my very young brain just like exploded and and it's like one of those moments where the whole uh of the universe of sound and music shifts. It's like what what you what is possible. Everything like totally shifted, and that kind of moment was a really significant moment for me because it made me realise that music and sound could be something so different from what you heard, you know,
0: in the pop charts or something like that. I think in the UK though, we're very lucky. It's completely different to America because we had the way that we um, engage with music was different because the 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 actual. The actual bridge between pop music and what you call ex- or alternative music, as it was called then, was so narrow. You could have Killing Joke on top of the pops on day, you know, on daytime television. You would have, you know, and you would have Peel, you know, John Peel as well, uh, the, you know, which is so central to a lot of independent bands. So it was, it was a very narrow gap in the states, but really here. Um, I think it was very almost proto-social media, proto-internet. What happened in Manchester one day would be happening in, uh, uh, you know, filtered through to every other city in the country within a week. You know, yeah. or, or what happened in Birmingham could be sort of filtered out very, very quickly because I mean, the UK is so small. I mean, it's it's virtually yeah. the size of New York State. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you can. So it's uh, things happened a lot more quickly here, and plus we have the music press as well you yes. know we had a, we had a you know steeped history so the, the the difference between pop music i think the sophistication with pop music you know the pop bands getting in the charts then you you did have great pop bands who would you probably yeah. would class as college you yeah. know alternative college bands in america you know you would get yeah. Killing Joke and Joy Division and you know later on the Smiths and New Order and you know and those of people get into the charts so there was this blurring plus we had great tv programs as well yeah. But apart from that, that was it, you know, off on top of the pops on the yeah. Thursday or maybe whistle test or the tube, there was nothing yeah. else. You know, there was there was it's literally nothing else. That once once they finished, that was it. You left for your yeah. records. When in America it's completely different. You know, yeah, 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 the way, the way pop music because we we celebrate pop music here, where you kind of look down on pop music, right? And, of course, and you could have a strawberry switchblade could get into the charts, and that's yes. Rose yeah, and then she could be playing with Current 93 and Death in June the yes. next day, so the, yeah. or Narn or Boyd Rice. So that's 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 yeah. how you're in touching distance of. You know,
1: yeah, you had you had Mark Armand releasing Tenement Symphony, <laughs> uh, and while you know while
0: he was recording vocals for Coil, yeah, just yes. from Trevor yes. Horn to Coil, so that was that was the difference, you know. But and I think that comes through. Well, you know, I think that was definitely if you have all that and those possibilities here, that's what you know definitely influenced. I can you know but, mean yeah. But, but we, wheeling back to Birmingham. So, so after,
1: so after Northampton, I, I, I moved to Birmingham to, to go to a technical college to study, uh, audio visual design. Cause it was the closest thing I could find to like sound engineering, which I was yeah. kind of interested in. And that, that was great because I, I was suddenly with a much larger group of people who had much deeper, uh, uh, musical uh, knowledge and it just exposed me to so much more uh, amazing, yeah. Amazing music. Uh, yeah. Can so. you,
2: can you think of anything that, that, that stands out for you in terms of stuff that they've turned you uh, on?
1: To? I remember like fa- uh, discovering Faust was really, yeah. really significant to me. That still is like one of uh, like a cornerstone kind of uh, uh, musical act. Yeah. absolutely. Me. I mean, I, would already encountered people like Suicide right Before um, coming to Bowen. because but that was that was cuz they were name checked by spaceman 3 um in in like the the music press and stuff like that but uh, yeah. um,
2: so this is this is just to put it in time this is like late
1: 80s yeah this was i moved up there in in 89 uh, right and then and you know then and I I I realized that I didn't want to be a sound engineer so I dropped out of college but you know I stayed in Birmingham and I was I was involved with this big group of people who were mostly involved with like kind of bands I would say and then and I felt I feel like I knew like two about two people who didn't totally hate dance music at that point cuz yes. it was really you know ridiculed Often it's the case where you just haven't heard uh, the good stuff. You know, you need someone to kind of point you in the direction and say, Hey, this is, this is what you're going to be checking out. This is what's interesting. But yeah, at that time, there was like, you know, there was like two or three other people who, who didn't completely despise dance music, but that number gradually grew. And I remember listening to, I would listen to John Peel's show and he would play. That's where I first heard like You Are and Jeff Mills and, and, you know, Belgian Hoover rave. You know, I had one friend who had a job at the time, so he could afford to buy records. And and then, yeah, and then this this little, this tiny little scene grew and it grew from um, like the back room of a pub that used to put on punk, punk gigs in the, in the red light area. Birmingham. And that's kind of where we lived. And so, yeah, we just, we knew a guy who had a, a tiny little sound system and we'd borrow yeah. decks and so we just started doing these parties and it kind of... Yeah. Grew- and is that,
2: is that House of God? Well, this is... is this, that pre, pre-House of this God? This
1: is like pre-House of God. House of God began in January of 93. So we're right, actually, so. we're coming up for 30 years. Uh, but there were a few. There are a few. Little, there are a few things. There was a. There was a night called Third Eye, right, and the first right. one was actually called Bedlam. Hmm. Uh, but okay, they were yeah. like, more like one-off kind of things. But so yeah. the funny thing is that um, I I got involved with doing these events, and you know this scene grew, and it, you know at this time in England it was a huge. Uh, like a sea change, a so a huge, you know, the rave scene absolutely yeah. exploded, and it and it affected all of society. I think the way that people relate to each other when they went out, it, I think it it bled through into indie music to bands. Everyone was influenced. Everyone was going out and doing ease and jumping about Right, by rave culture. At yeah, I sort of. mean, I really, I really think it. That's the biggest. Social change that I I I will ever experience
0: in my lifetime. My entrance was maybe slightly different. I actually lived in Birmingham. I actually come from Birmingham. You were actually you grew up in Birmingham. I grew up in Birmingham. Well, I grew up on yeah. So basically, I mean, the only I grew up on. I mean, literally on the side of the M5, which is a huge motorway. Uh, So basically, through my bedroom window, I could hear the rumble of the.
1: And I could, so also, you know, also I could, very influential to your music as well as we, as you know. <laughs> well I, I grew up within earshot of the m1 motorway. so there's so okay so you knew yeah. there was a connection there right so
0: <laughs> i can remember and, through my bedroom window yeah. I, could, I could hear these pylons of that that we have a, a strip light and it's pitch yellow yes right, right of course this pitch yellow, it's yellow is you know and this is it's illuminating the, the you know, the darkness that was the Middle yeah. That's so interesting. It's the, it's the drone. It's the drone. It is the drone. I, yeah, up. the drone, yeah. I grew up with a constant drone. I mean, you know, I don't want to sort of paint it as some dystopian thing, but it's, it's certainly yes. nothing anyone in America could imagine. I mean, of course you Really? Have,
2: in, it's, in what way?
0: Do you it's, it's just the banality of it, you know. At least, yeah. In, yeah. you know, in the hard, rough areas of America, it's, you know, sure. you, can go, you can go out at one o'clock and buy a sandwich, yes people somebody sort of said yeah there was nothing it's not that there was a well, they we didn't have like any free, money there's well, a faculty, like three yeah. tv channels and they all yes.
1: shut down at like 9 p.m yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know it was, it was even two some of them did, they didn't even start till they. some of them didn't start till four o'clock and then they showed the news and that and that was it so basically if you could take your moment then to watch top of the pops on a thursday night and you saw you know and you, go, you know, oh god you saw teardrop explode i mean even the late 70s it was it was pretty shit because people have this thing oh the explosion of punk and everything like the punk explode it didn't really happen nationally and it was very very localized for certain it didn't you know it, it, it wasn't represented in the charts at all but you know you were you were aware of something but the backlash after i think um it was always where i got into music was for like an older a family friend sort of thing i think they you know got me into a lot of the stiff stuff like enduring yeah. and yes, stuff like right. i thought was quite i still kind of you know i thought that was punk but, yeah. but all <laughs> yeah. a lot of that stuff and you know things like police but it all seemed to True. come from a very I, I even then i knew it came from a major label like I can't, oh, that's interesting i can't, I can't explain to it only when the turn when 1980 you know 1980 when a lot of the Independent British label started to get into the charts. There was some authenticity in the music, right? Like was, Mute or something, or like some Bizarre or some whatever. Bizarre or like Four AD. You you absolutely yeah, knew right. the music came from a pure place, and it yeah. was and you and you, knew, and you could tell the difference between soft Cell or Spandau Ballet because you could tell yeah. that soft Cell were out doing ecstasy and drugs and yeah. having sex, with <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you knew Spandau Ballet weren't, and that and that yeah. and that, and that, and that yes. was it came through. And um, I think people you know you can't underestimate kids you know yeah. say, for we, having you, a sense yeah, yeah yeah right yeah especially you know it was different it, it, things were different and i don't want to say things with you know but it really really was different so i think yeah. uh, i was a lot more naive things were a lot more naive which was fantastic you know that, that, that was the main thing kids were more naive but in a way more sophisticated as well than they are now you know and it was uh so yeah, I mean that for me that was that. Was, and I got I I got into music. I think if there was a watershed moment for me where I really stopped being into football and yeah. really quite <laughs> though, it's yes. like I think it was. Um, even though now it might sort of be a bit cry, but when I saw the band Soft Cell perform Tainted yeah. Love for the first time in wow, yeah. Well, yeah. now I could well I know it's this, this, this time now. It was it was August. 1981 i remember where i was right. when I, and i watched it and it, it changed everything overnight for me because i was sitting down Amazing. with my, dad, my granddad yeah and um my my granddad was like we watched you know he watched it and you know he watched he watched my mom and everything We we'll look at the stones on top of the pops already said he go as it was there and he watched, right. watched my on. uncle watch bowie he was never to by anything but i remember it distinctly he watched it and he watched mark on with makeup and up an eyeliner and he went Fuck this! He got up. <laughs> Never, ever, ever ever watched TV with me ever again? Wow! It's not accurate yeah. to say
1: half, but say half the country saw that and just wanted to kill him. The other half of the country were like, "Oh my God, there's someone I can like,
0: yeah identify, identify with." Them, with yeah. And you know, an outsider. Amazing. I mean, cause the thing is, and of course, you know, things like Tainted Love and it's, it's like a wedding. And of course, they they didn't go on to have yeah. any of the success in America, but in, in the no, UK, of course, in the UK they did. They um, did, yeah.
2: I mean, that's frankly, that's the only. I mean, it's a huge hit still in the. It's an ra- FM radio hit, you know. Of still, course, it still, is. but day. you know,
0: but it's just that everything that happened after that. You know, it was great. You know, and then through Soft Cell, I found oh, Mark Hall was yeah. working with um, David yeah, of working with Genesis P. Horridge, who's yeah, that?
2: Yeah, yeah. how like, how so, how soon until you got into Throbbing Gristle or whatever? How how long do you think it was until if, from
0: then to that point? So basically, then I got into. You know, I got into Psyche Psychedelic for that because Mark armstrong sang a vocal "Guiltless" from. Sure. Uh, yes. I think John Dream's "Less Sweet." So I got into right. all of that, right, and then right, all right. of a sudden, like, by default, oh, there was this band that they were all in before. Right. And then was, yeah, but that was later when when Mute re-released all the stuff. So I was quite late into Throbbing Gristle. I mean, yeah, I didn't right. get into them until like eighty-five until yeah, yeah, yeah. they released all the stuff, and then I thought, right. oh, wow, this is great. It kind of really made sense, and I so I, I saw that in reverse personally. I wasn't, you know
2: no of course yeah I mean I feel like now it's everything is available there's every single best of list links you to a YouTube link that is the The most apocal music ever made that would be completely unavailable
0: and probably out of print at the time. So Tony was saying, though, you're making musical connections with people you know, like-minded people, and then all of a sudden you start to speak a different language. It's a language your peers don't speak, so then you can't communicate with other people at school, and and more importantly, it's a language your parents can't speak. You know, but then all of a sudden, all around that music, everything became very, very normal. You you would like the birthday party, or you know, it was all, and that's what you'd like. You know, yes. And it wasn't that – it wasn't that it was a million miles away from the mainstream either, you know, because yeah. it wasn't, because, you know, Depeche Mode were flying the flag for Mute and funding, you know, Boyd Rice records or non-records and some bazaar with, you know, their, their funding, aren't you just, and the Neubat and Studio Time. So it was yeah, all right. – and then, of course, you got, you know, fat to a lesser extent, you had Factory, yeah, right, you course. know, and stuff like and That's, everything that absolutely. happened with that. And, and then later, of course, bands like the British Invasion, the second with – myths and all the cure and all well not you know later but you you know in the same you know I, i don't know it was just uh it was very, it was very, very sort of straightforward for us though, I think really. Yeah. So it wasn't, it was, wasn't was that we're musical geniuses. It was just, it was just, it was just very, <laughs> well,
2: I mean, it can, you know, they can, they can uh, intermingle, you know,
0: they're not mutually yeah. exclusive. I, so. think hard, well, I, mean, being, I think it was a lot harder. I mean, point being, I think it's a lot harder in America to find these, this music. <laughs> absolute, oh, you I know, mean, that's absolutely. That's why I think, you know, with the people I speak to who yeah. did find this, who are into, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's like, you know, it's like people with tattoos now everybody's into throbbing gristle you know so it's like a, yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was it was fucking different it was absolutely yeah. different and it was uh
1: yeah well so. i i remember i actually remember how uh i discovered coil because that that was that was yeah. like a, a, that's a huge one for uh, yeah huge one for me and um that was bef- actually before i i came to birmingham where yeah. i Oh, I found a book in my school library. It was called Ma- Making Music with Tape Recorders. And it's basically wow, that music yeah. concrete for, for, for beginners. Yeah. And But the weird thing is, I this was totally in a vacuum because I'd never heard any of that music. So I didn't yeah. actually know what it was like. All I knew was what was written in this book that I was reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I started playing around, I borrowed, I borrowed a four-track tape recorder. I, I got hold of yeah. an old reel-to-reel. And I just made this horrible racket. Oh, amazing! Wow. Oh, I, I finally you could find that still. Well, I mean, actually, Carl, Carl actually released this many years later. Ah, well, I have to yeah. hear this. Oh, amazing! Yeah, it's incredible. A, it was a single called uh, "Boys, School Showers, and Swimming Pools," and it's like, oh a my god, I have to. I'm making a note it's, of that. To, it's a 7 It's oh a seven-inch. incredible. It's, it's it's quite upsetting, but but so, <laughs> so, so I made this I made this weird music um, that was co- basically in a created in a vacuum, and I. Yeah. And at school, uh, a girl in my class w- was uh, was dating uh, this this older guy, Justin. Now, Justin ran a tape distribution uh, like uh, oh, wow. kind of service, and that has gone on to become this big thing called Cold Spring. So she she passed this tape to him, and I heard back. Uh, he said, oh, it sounds like Coil. It didn't really <laughs> sound like Coil, but I had this name. And I went, <laughs> and fortunately in Northampton, there was a really good independent record store called uh, Spinner Disc Records. It probably doesn't exist anymore, but it's a very key indie record store uh, with a really great range of stuff like that. So anyway, they they had Coil Records in there. Oh, amazing. And I, and I went in and I bought what was the current album, which was um, Horse Rotator. Yeah, no so, way. So yeah, That's I amazing. just from a vacuum i i i bought this coil album and it was oh that's unbelievable wow what what the hell is this and it opened this whole world of like william burroughs and brian guide sure. and all this kind of stuff yes. it's hugely influential to me the idea of cut-ups that relate right. to the kind of music concrete yeah. stuff and all of that yes. is like still like a cornerstone influence for me and it's still something mm-hmm. i draw on you know this yeah, what what borrows with language and and you know for the sure, of movie
0: cut ups and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was a Absolutely. real that was a real yeah important influence for me. I mean, Coil was definitely something that really links me and Tony. I mean, funny enough, Tony was going through some old emails the other day as well, and it was um
1: oh yeah yeah it was it was the that this. Yeah, it's so sad. I, I found I found an e I found emails from uh Sleazy, Peter Christopherson. Oh man. He yeah. invited me and Carl over to to record them. But it that that, that never happened. And you know finding oh, this email yeah. like, Oh, so when are we gonna do this then? Yeah, this you know, he was like Oh, oh man. And, and it never happened. And then, you know, just one of those things where it, it doesn't happen and you think, Oh yeah, maybe next year, maybe next year and then you know, they're dead. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I mean, there, another
0: connection as well. Obviously the thing yeah. to me and Tony um was the guy called Mick Harris Who's? Oh, a- of course.
2: Well, yeah, I was going to add I feel like that was a follow-up for me. I mean, how yeah, could you talk a little bit about him and his cuz he cuz Tony he introduced you to Carl, right? Is that yeah, how well, it went?
1: What, what 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 actually happened was I was um uh kind of before that I was playing these techno uh Events in in Birmingham and Carl, I believe Carl was coming to them, so he heard me play before.
0: Yeah, because it was weird. I mean, even going back a little bit before that, like Tony was saying about rave culture, I came to it. I, I'd almost not not given up on music, but like the time I was eighteen or nineteen in eighty eight when the acid house thing came out, I was very suspicious of it in one way because all of a sudden, two years beforehand, nobody was into electronic music; it was a dirty word. Then all of a sudden, you had all these like thugs all the people <laughs> the school toughs would beat you up at school all that's the, interesting I so was, i was i was against that's it in some sort of way but i was aware that it was very important but yeah, most right. importantly why i liked it was that you could make um instrumental electronic music without any singing because singing at that yeah. stage and that's what that's what piqued my interest in dance music because yeah. a lot of my friends didn't like it i mean a lot of my friends used to laugh at anybody who'd wore sneakers you know, yeah. so it, it was, it was <laughs> that innocent yeah. things were back then. Because if you yeah, wore a right. pair of sneakers, said, what the fucking hell are you doing wearing a pair of sneakers? Yeah. You know, you it,
1: don't. Yeah, you, it you just it didn't really. Do it, it, it was a, it was, you know, everything like that was a very
0: strong message because of the tribals. It was very, very tribal. Yeah. So when dance music came along and it did blur, especially for me, I think what really got, why I had second thoughts about dance, or not second thoughts, why I really gave it a second chance is when uh, Richard H. Kirk and Cabro Voltaire yeah, right. You know, sort of clonk and and and, yeah, oh, and the sweet exorcist. Sweet Exorcist, yeah, uh, which it, those those are on warp, you know. <laughs> those like on that's, warp and then early yeah. Warp. even bef- and, and at the same time there's a record label from Birmingham called Network, which was Yeah. Pretty much the record, like you know, Neil Rushton was managing. Yeah, Neil,
2: yeah, right, 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 And
0: um, and uh, Kevin Sanderson he was he was managing all those three. He brought them over. He put because he track.
2: was the first person to bring Detroit techno over to Europe? the UK in general. Yeah, yeah to Europe. Europe, yeah, Europe. Europe. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Was,
0: yeah, I mean, he was. I think he was. You know, so he, he was like a he was like a northern soul guy. Correct. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. and they we're based in Birmingham. The Network, we're based in Birmingham. And actually, that's the funny thing. The Zon record, which is also Richard H. Kirk with Robert Gordon right. from, you know, the Forge, uh, Forge Masters and stuff like that. OK, that, yeah. That was on Network. So all, all this stuff was and I thought, well, if Richard H. Kirk can can do it. Of course, of course well, you know, there was that psychic, um, the Jack the Tab as well, which is a psychic TV. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Which is obviously Genesis P origin, Dave Ball from Soft Cell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, album, right, right, right. The first UK Acid House album. So there's always this, yeah. all your heroes that we had from the early 80s were getting into it. And then yes. when we called, like, release Love's Secret Domain, when that came yeah, out. Of and course. this show was a bit weird. I thought, oh, this is weird. This is not what I expect. I'm not too sure I like this because it, it was a bit... It wasn't what had gone before, and it had renegade sound wave samples, and then it was yeah, great, leaning towards great. rave culture. But, of course, now, you know, we know. But I was working, the late 80s, early 90s, I was working for Southern Records, which was run by John Loder and John Knight. John Loder was part of um, the whole crass thing. Right, and it was all, right. I, I just noticed the shift because all the stuff that was set, I, I remember there's this, like, bizarre ink record called Playing With Knives, and I used to sell the record in Jesus Christ, these records are shifting. And to see a record shift out of a place that gets into the charts and when you do these scale-outs, selling hundreds of thousands yeah, is crazy. Un- unth-
2: unthinkable it's today,
0: obviously, crazy. you know. Yeah, well, it's, only a, yeah, it's, a, it's a completely yeah. world away, sure, Back to Mick, Mick. so that was the climate why I think you know when me and Tony arrived at was quite a similar thing. And then Mick introduced us, and um, that was obviously that that meeting for well for me, obviously was yeah, changed everything, you know. So then Mick had um, he said, Well, you you know, you should really listen to this, uh, because I'd I'd already started downwards by that stage, so I started in '93 and we had a couple of stuff. Even before that, I had some. Rec- we did some records by a, a local guy uh, called Ansonem, who ran uh, a really important industrial. Uh uh, directory called Softwatch, and he was, uh, yeah. So he put his record. Oh, I went
2: What's up? So what? What's up with Softwatch? To real quick. To uh,
0: so, well, Softwatch was this huge uh, industrial directory, especially by the, direct. It, by directory, you, you literally mean like sort uh, of like, a, a, like a, a, data, data, old a database. Yeah, right. It was, like old, it was like an old phone book, and it was different yeah, views, right. but it had it, it connected everybody. You know, I mean, wow. You know, oh, he, came, he came. In, yeah, he came into the shop that I worked at, and he was selling. I think he was seeing, selling sleep chamber CDs and a load of German <laughs> German reggae. So, and I like Tony a lot because he'd he'd seen this heat and Robert Rentland oh, Normal, wow. and Joy Division in the same week. So I thought that was quite. Wow. I, I thought that was quite cool. Wow! Incredible. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, pretty amazing. Uh, but it was. uh yeah. But, but then anyway Mick, Right, yeah. Mick anyways. said you really should you know, I was doing this label to sort of, you know, finding my feet and he said you should really listen to some this guy's, because I was g I was getting into the techno thing, I was seeing the possibilities of techno, you know? I wouldn't say, right. I, I wasn't in, I wasn't into it in any way until maybe I'd heard Jeff Mills or like Tony said, Underground resistance because that
2: Yeah, was, what was the first what was the first stuff you heard that would qualify as I guess techno I think, or your sort of first exposure?
1: I, I think it it's starting to hear like uh yeah, like Aphex Twin, stuff like that, you know. That, sure. That, right. that was, you know, I, I think that somehow that somehow connected the dots with, like, yeah. stuff like Coil and things yeah, like that. Yeah, more you know. e- on the experimental Whereas, side, I guess, or whatever. You know, right. I, looking back, I can see the significance and importance of, like, the kind of earlier Acid House stuff. And I, I you know, I love yeah. that stuff now, but at the time, yeah. it just didn't, it didn't really make sense because I hadn't heard yeah. it over allow a, a big sound yeah. system you know yeah so, yeah i was gonna actually ask real uh, to careful. follow up real quick under that but like with man manchester and the acid house thing was kind of not I was, that i was aware that i was aware that it was happening but it just seemed it just seemed really compared to the electronic music that i was listening to at the time it seemed really primitive it wasn't really that yeah, and
0: I, I, I've been to the hacienda before Acid House. I saw a band called that Petromos. So I mean, I I was okay, never, yeah, yeah, yeah. a great association with with, yeah. That, you know, I mean, well that's, I mean, that's kind of it's all a different thing. I mean, it's all sure. I think weather. Well, I think probably Andy Weatherall was more pivotal yeah. to any who was, he was someone who's connected it really. I mean, of course, as well. You know, yeah. I was Mick. Mick did some drumming with Coil as well. And I was in the studio for a day with Mick ah. and Coil were there and ah amazing. You know, yeah. so, you know that was early. That was just after love sacred domain so was, yeah 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 right. just, but I, I that was actually kind of interesting i think that was the studio session at swan yard where they they put um what was that distribution company there yeah that they, they, they uh they, they Yeah, they bankrupted World <laughs> Serpents, and that's why they had to go for Nine Inch Nails And they kept saying, "Oh, do you, like, do you like Nine Inch Nails?" I went, "No, they're fucking shit, Jeff. They're shit." <laughs> <laughs> because you know, all the thing great. was coming through. Because I'm, you know, oh, uh, did you want to see Nine Inch Nail? Sure. And Wolfgang Press embarrassed them so badly uh, that pretty yeah. machine it, it was just. It was just rock. It was
1: just
0: rock. It, music was, just, it was just bad middle class yeah. rock music that everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. Liked. I mean, I remember actually. Funny enough. The, what did it for me? I think what I mean. I remember I saw Einstütz and Neubau at the at, um, at the Astoria in London in 1989, and two weeks later yeah. I saw the Stone Roses, and I walked out of it. <laughs> and I, if, that's the future, yeah. if that's the future of music, I'm, I'm not interested in music. Yeah, anymore. yeah. yeah of course. And to be honest, and that and that stuck with me. That so for me. It finished yeah. really then musically, but I think what Tony was saying about techno, the first wave of techno, like Juan Atkins and Kevin Songs yes. and all that, you know, of course, I liked it, but it, it was still this electronic plastic soul thing. But it was,
1: yeah. To me, to me, it was weird because I, you know, that, that, um, uh, what is it like, uh, inner city good life that was in the pop chart. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It, was, right. it was, you know, it was like, it was like pop dance music. And, oh. you know, it was, yeah. it was fair right. enough, but, you know that I don't know. It was yeah. It was it was really hearing. It was hit really hearing uh, some of the music that John Peel was playing. That yeah. was that that was more kind of edgy and weird and whatever. And wow. that really that really lit you know lit up the light bulb for me. I think for yeah.
0: me when I first heard Jeff Mills, I didn't what it was. It was it was basically doing what. Europe, or especially Britain, always does to America. We get the best bits of what you do, and we regurgitate them, re- regurgitate <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. That's what we've historically, what we've always done. Sure. But what Jeff Mills did, he had this fantastic European aesthetic, wrapped it up in his own unique sort of way, very Detroit way of doing things, in the way he, in, you know, in isolation, really, and sold back. That, and that's what, what Jeff Mills did it was just fucking hard. It was, it was, it it could have been front two two. It could have been not, could have been night's red because it was heavily European. You know, I I felt anyway. And that's not, you know, of course, you know, knocking any Detroit heritage, but he made something truly unique out of his influences and his influences all, were all in place with it. But what he did was he reduced everything, reduced everything to its essence. And yeah, I mean, you know, those, those records I heard around mix as well. Cause I, I think, I might turn Mick onto a couple of the, the early stuff, and because it, it was just because it was it was being distributed by Southern, and it was like wow, these fucking records are. Fun. Yeah, so that's how you first heard. Yeah, I was because I was curious of like what how you actually first were yeah, introduced to I mean, Mills, It, wasn't, it wasn't in a nightclub. I have absolutely right. got no connection with any of that music. Probably up until '94, that was played in a nightclub. I have it; it's all home listening. That's it?
2: interesting. So it wasn't actually like a club. Dancing, whatever
1: experience that no, no. the actual music—it was really like well, a listening. Well, at that, at that point, no one played that stuff until Absolutely. I was playing that stuff in a, in a club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah.
0: True. I, the first person I heard play it was Tony. Mm. And i thought he yeah, he's yeah. playing those records that I listened to at home, that no one else—I'd love to have in a club, but everybody else wow. was playing those records. with people, you know, that I, I certainly were not wasn't hearing anybody playing those records.
2: You heard Tony play those records before you guys we're friends or we're talking about records Yeah, Yeah,
0: because because Mick said, there's really this guy you should listen to is DJ and he DJs the records that we we Uh, play at home. And to be completely fair as well, Mick did play records very loud, in his house, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was almost like being in a nightclub. It, 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 well, it was yeah. It was even more. He's again. Then he was he used to play, especially like early Killing Joke records, and he used to really you sure? yeah, it yeah. up, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he put the Mills oh, yeah. records, and plus at that time as well, he was going to New York a lot, and he was working with Zorn and Laswell. A lot. Yeah, pa- yeah, Painkiller. Yeah, right. And then right. he used to be bringing back all these records from New York. A lot of the, um, you know. The, you know, things, things from the Midwest, Woody McBride, all, all this great, really yeah. hard music that was really, really yeah. interesting as well. And so you, there's definitely something happening, you know, that, 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 you know, that you can't sort of, and there was no scene, of course, there was no scene because it was all in its infancy, you know, it yeah. was in its infancy. And uh, yeah, so Tony made, so Mick said to me, well, there's this guy, he's, he's been doing Tony, he's been doing some really good stuff in, you know, in, in my studio. And oh, Yeah. So, yeah. And that was it, really.
1: Yeah, yeah he oh, Mick, Mick had a Mick had a, a small studio in his house, and he yeah he just invited me to come and like use it. So I I like I I walked around there with a with like a drum machine and a keyboard, like pretty much literally on my back. And what did you what did you do you remember what you were using at that time um, for the for the heads up for the gear heads? Oh out yeah, there? so the keyboard was <laughs> a Korg Poly Eight Hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember when I was at my when I was at this technical college. Um, I could apply for a grant to pay yeah. to pay me back for all the all the like uh, tapes and uh, photography equipment and whatever you know, like paper, printing paper, whatever. So I, I right. got this grant and I bought this keyboard with this uh, second this secondhand. Keyboard. Amazing, and incredible. And then a friend had this drum machine, which was really crap. It was uh, it was a- an english electronic brand called cheetah
0: cheetah and they, they used to make
1: like cheap uh like uh computer peripherals and stuff like that at the time right and right. they made this drum machine and it had this this electro card with like eight with supposedly 808 909 sounds but they were just oh, like wow. low like 8-bit or something i don't know right so, right so i i used these two bits of gear i took it around to mix he had, he had a mixing desk and some outboard gear and a yeah. an adapt player, so I amazing. I like jammed some stuff and recorded it and then This is pre-surgeon. This mm-hmm. is that became the first surgeon. Uh, oh amazing right. So so yeah so Mick I don't know Mick played it to I guess Mick must have played it to Carl and
0: Yeah I lo- I yeah. loved I loved it because it was I think at that time I could sort of definitely see the shift from not selling any experimental records, as yeah. were the first couple of records we did, uh, and I yeah. think you know I did a record, a tester record. It was like an acid record, and Yeah. it was me, the me, hygiene, the hygiene, Gym. exactly. Yeah, yeah. me, ah. Nick Harris, and um, yeah, yeah, and, Jim, and Jimmy as well from. Our, Old so, um, J- James Plockin. Yeah. that record sold so well, and, and all of a sudden, my distributor said, Well, can we get a repress? And I'm, what the fuck's a repress? Um, that, means, <laughs> that means somebody's actually bought it, gotta get the plates. Again. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah so, so there was this kind of thing that I was noticing in a way. And I just when I heard Tony's record, it just it just smelt like I know it's just te- you know, it, it really felt like something that was. Was successful. I could re, really, yeah. uh, which is probably not the right way to sort of describe it in, you know in artistic terms but it felt like there was something could really really happen with this record because it was brilliant you know and it's yeah, right. in, and it was just it was everything that you know it was everything that was completely correct for that time that was the so uh,
2: this is this is the first surgeon record yeah, on, yeah,
1: first one with uh Magnes and atoll and right both. yeah this is like the ep like yeah.
0: yeah right and it was just when i first heard it the, thing, the funny thing about it was i think i what i tried to do to, t- to try to pretend to be like some record boss i tried to give some, yeah. well, it might need some, you know, compression. Not even know what compression was to try and give. It, <laughs> you know. the guy
2: might put this out, you know. Uh, yeah, I think anyway, ne- needs a little cleaning but up. But yeah. it was, it was brilliant. It was
0: so ah. brilliant. Ah, it's a, it's and then, a, yeah, I mean, you know those record. things, you know. I mean, I remember putting that out. We we put it out, and I, we got plastic back the first initial run had a yeah. plastic bag and a postcard. And I remember getting the postcard because oh, I was yeah. on the dole at the time. Yeah. You yeah. Um, used, <laughs> used to get 70 quid for two weeks. I remember oh, yeah. pressing these postcards for uh, 65 quid. Somebody yeah. <laughs> gets get, get me five quid for two weeks
2: yeah
0: <laughs> i just thought that particular moment fuck me i hope this works it's better be worth it yeah it be worth it. and it yeah and it did you know it seemed like it was worth it in the <laughs> in the long term. it was, that was a pretty good investment that's a pretty good move yeah right and it was, but, but, that's but, amazing because the weird thing is of course you know now me and tony are you know for the best you know for such a long time uh, you know stream close friends for like over a quarter of a century but yeah at that time, there were two people really thrown in the yeah, we, we re- yeah, we
1: yeah we didn't really know each other. yeah we
0: really didn't know each
2: other. Wow, we, yeah, that, oh, so this is pre- So that was pretty early on. Know, into we your... met,
1: we'd met, but we you met. know, we didn't. It's yeah. not like we went to school together. together
0: we just met, and then the. It's hard to explain, but the success of that record was instant,
1: absolutely
0: yeah. fucking instant.
2: Can you talk about that or, like, process of, like, well, uh, you got the record out, distributed it, and then yeah, I mean, got some reception?
0: I, I, the big thing at that time was to have, a, if, if you had a fax machine, you were a company. So yes. I had a fax machine. <laughs> I right, remember right. almost straight away, because I had my fax number on it, almost yeah. straight away, I was like, I'm getting faxes from Japan because i have woken up in the middle wow. of yeah, yeah yeah, of course In it turns America, out <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> yeah fucking hell this is amazing mm, yes yeah, so, yeah sonic groove, sonic but, groove yeah you know right, all, all right, these right. people that would like text you know and then you had oh, josh wink hey, hey hey can i send you some t-shirts and then you had all the all these wow. other people
1: and people saying oh uh Jeff Mills is playing your your
0: yeah. your track, and I'm like, I didn't believe it. It was instant. It was really instant, you know, because also nobody was doing that sort of music back then. There was Jeff. Right, right, right. And there was us. And
1: the thing I remember as yeah. well is that the thing, yeah. the thing that totally threw people was the fact that this record came from Birmingham. They couldn't they couldn't right, believe this. Right, right, right. There was no there was no sort of precedent for that. From yes. I mean, You had network records, but that was something quite different. Yeah, it was really. completely different. Was a different right. kind of music. This yeah you know right. high impact techno stuff. They, mm. they yes. had no idea. And I think wasn't didn't the, the catalogue number really throw people off and they thought it was something to do with clink plot oh that's and, right and they were like everyone assumed it had come from london as well
0: yeah i mean, and, and I mean it, okay yeah wait, wait yeah so what was the catalogue well what, the catalog what was was, yeah, that was a well, classic in disastrous downwards fashion my like, guys <laughs> I, I just thought i just <laughs> cl- catalog number out of nowhere, i know i think whatever then all of a sudden had Mr. C, who like was in the show, was in the shame and phone up because his label was all, yeah. well, you can't do that. You can't do, you, you know, cause the only reason he found out about it, cause we got a license from something and they thought it was him and he was so ah. angry about it. And I'm, Yeah, right. We have to pay for catalog numbers now. You know, the the used to sort of like do that, and then he got really pissed yeah. off that we had got this massive licensing deal that <laughs> had come through him that it wasn't his, and it was like it wasn't actually oh, his. I'm, yeah, like, right. I'm so sorry, mate. But I remember also we we were so naive yeah. back then. I mean, we didn't know what tempos things were at. Yeah, yeah. And of he, he asked he me, just played you it. Now what yeah. oh yeah, man, what tempo are you, your you tracks at and I had no idea what tempo was. So I so I said yeah. like seven hundred. <laughs> he, he thought i was he, he thought I was taking It's like the, really it's extreme gabber. On, he thought I, was taking the I thought seven hundred was a pretty pretty good sort pretty of pretty high esteemed ballpark, number. A ballpark figure <laughs> for a BPM. <laughs> So yeah, our, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, though, we did actually, we were quite naive with it because we actually, uh, we didn't. was incredible. We actually wrote or phoned Mark Broom on an answer phone. You, you know, how, what's the best tempo for a techno record?
2: Wow. You know,
0: that we really hadn't a clue. And Mark, Mark's, yeah. well, you know, the te- tempos should be this and maybe this long yeah. and that's fine. And it, but it was that naive. I mean, I remember yeah. telling Mr. C, yeah, about 700. He went up the fucking wall. Because not <laughs> only did he lose this big <laughs> this- license and I've, you know. I would, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, mate. You know this cheeky motherfucker. He, he's, he, <laughs> he's a good, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and then it just went from then, and so we had this big fucking success. That's incredible. And then we thought, oh Jesus Christ! So what? What do we do? What do we? We, well, we should follow. So then, you know, we, we were like a, con- you know, DJ Hell was busy yeah, really he was playing Dave Clark. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, like Tony said, the fact that we were from Birmingham which is really an artistic wasteland other than being very heavy metal. Yeah. And it's not like it's Manchester metal, yeah. or, or Sheffield, for instance, yeah, a, Sheffield, a, deep, yeah. a deep working class heritage, but that is also entwined with art, you know, that, yes, and, and, right. that's, and that's the trend in Liverpool as well. You know, they really yeah. combine, yes. you know, the, the intelligent working class people. Where Birmingham is, isn't that at sort all. Of, in fact, it's the polar opposite of that. And so, and yeah, there was no electro- there was nothing electronic from Birmingham. There was nothing, not even back then. There was there was never really anything. Possibly, yeah. I mean, the, the closest you could get to something electronic was probably Popoli itself,
2: huh, okay. the
0: man that you know, that Clint Mansell, who now the Hollywood um, Hollywood soundtracker was the lead singer off. But but that was a uh, it. There was nothing else. Yeah. So like Tony said, there was no precedent for electronic music. So yeah, so they, we ha- there was this massive success that means, t- and then me and Tony were like. Manacled and thrown into the deep end for kind yeah. of, you know, and then yeah, I just remember, yeah, we, but the real connection was there was, um, they invited us to go to some, there was what was it, like tribal gathering in Munich because of the success right. of Tony's record. So I, I then became Tony's self appointed manager. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, so you were just that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thought, well, gonna, we're never going to get a free holiday again, so this is the end of it, so that I'm going to go. Into- <laughs> <laughs> the, the weird thing on that plate journey has often happened with me and Tony, After, Yeah. things go really kind of weird and mad, and then go really sort of you know psychotic and dreamlike, and we find out yeah. stuff about each other. Then Tony went, "Oh yeah, I know. I used to send tapes to Psychic, te- the temple of Psychic Youth in the eighties, noise tapes." And I went, like, "You're joking! I used to do that as well." So this wow, weird connection yeah. that we hadn't even known about each other.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And it was like incredible so this absolute the god, yeah because i used to we both used to send you know demos to temple psychic youth because it was obviously you know on the back of the on the back of the records
2: yeah of course and
0: um yeah and this this and it was just oh wow we are there's a real something formed during that trip and it yeah so that was kind of interesting incredible yeah. So
2: that was that was to to Munich. That was DJ Hell. Yeah, was, yeah. We went to play cool. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a ultra, ultra Is oh, that exactly, the exactly. yeah yeah the, the yeah 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 right? The
1: original ultra Shawl used to be in the, uh, the the kitchens of the old Munich airport. That's incredible.
2: That's some classic uh, post uh, unification uh, (laughs) location. Well,
0: the thing is, though, it was quite common because there was a great um, techno uh, EBM club in in Frankfurt that used to go quite a lot in the late 80s, early 90s, called then that was in the Frankfurt airport. You know, That's and amazing. that was when, you know, so th- these are the formation of teller and all that sort so this is yeah, all you know, right, it right, very, right. Yeah, it must be a German thing. But Tony played Something, there yeah. he was just um, he right. was just amazing. And it was just I remember that amazing. You know, we met Hell and these are the type of people. Yeah,
1: and met uh yeah. yeah, met met Jeff Mills and and then what was it?
0: At at this
2: at this gig. Yeah, at this gig. Ah, amazing. So this is ninety four? Ninety five. This is ninety five. Ninety five. Yeah. 95. 95. 95. 95. yeah. Oh, it's amazing. So right. was that? That was the first meeting. Do you was he aware of your of surgeon before or
1: downwards? Yeah, at he, that point. He, he, uh, well, I the the thing I said earlier, how someone had yeah. told me that he was playing like like the first the, my first record, and I yeah I didn't believe him at first, and then oh, that's amazing. And then I actually, know he
0: knew he knew who was, and he was just it was instant, you know, because there was the camaraderie was. It was different then, because there wasn't many people doing it, you know? Yeah, right. It was just so different. It wasn't, there was...
1: was, Yeah, there was a strong connection straight away with the music, yeah. Yeah, right.
2: And so for that, I guess for that party, I mean, if this was 95 or so, was that, at this point, this kind of music was being played. No, it was, it was, line, it was absolutely right?
0: in infancy. It was that because I mean, yeah. it's it's in t- it's too
1: think I think I think, the scene, I think you know that yeah. was our first experience of the the European scene, yeah. which we were yeah right, right like right. you know it's this is this huge party and this you know that uh, that's the first time I'd ever seen anything that. You know that big with that that music. How how
2: how big how big was that club? Well, it was called Tribal Gavin, wasn't
1: it? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I I it was uh, I went over I went over to play at the club called Ultra Shell, and I didn't I didn't actually realise beforehand that there was this other this huge event um, that weekend, um, kind of next door to that. You know, I see in the, okay. in the old airport. You know, the show was yes. in the kitchen. It's like, it's like me. I was playing in the kitchen. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we <were playing laughs> yeah, yeah. And the then the big party, airplane, the big you know, room. Airplane hangar or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, the stuff I'd seen up until then was like a couple of hundred people. And this was like... This
2: was thousands of people yeah. in an airplane hangar.
1: <laughs> but that's still kind of the difference between the UK and the... To some extent, that's still the difference between the UK scene and the, and the European scene. Well yeah so actually so could you do you
2: want to talk a little bit about House of God and that
1: Yeah that's... I mean that was uh that was that that was I don't know that was a bunch of friends I mean we still we still do events now and I, and just that's just it to me yeah. it's just insane that we're we're like coming up for 30 years now and it's the same that's people incredible. the same um but you know I think I think the way you know this kind of uh I don't know. This kind of, or like, or it's it's it, it. It's weird to say, and I know I know Chris, who runs it, gets kind of quite insulted when I say this, but it's it's yeah. run in a very kind of amateurish, and naive way. But that <laughs> is what well, that's what—that's great. That's hey, that's a compliment like, to me. That's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. It's it it's retained that it's never been. It's never it's like been corporate or whatever or not you know, operation too because professional. You know, it's it's stuck. It's stuck to its. It's stuck to its roots. Of yeah. Just, of just like, um. You know, we we just wanted we just wanted to blow people's
0: heads off, like um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Chris, the promoter, goes out of his way to sort of not make people come. If you see the flyers, the flyers have been, <laughs> well, but they've been done for obscenity. You know, it's wow, a serious. It's a, it's a way of thinking that's unique to the people. who Everybody <clears> is so <throat> unique within it. It's, I mean, if you're going there expecting a techno club, you might be sorely disappointed. If you, yes. if you go there expecting something that is really really beyond anything you might sort of imagine from a nightclub i think that that might be good really you know i think that's the best yep. way of doing it it's just a, yeah it's a pretty unique place that's why when you go anywhere else it's just yep. kind of oh this it's is, a bit of a letdown it's really. a bit of a letdown
2: yeah 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 what's it where so where where do they happen now have
1: they always has there been a club um, it's mo- they, yeah it's moved around but for how long for a really long time for like the best yeah. part of twenty five years, it's been at the same oh wow, the same venue. It's like like just old railway arches. Um oh, yeah. it was called Subway City. I think it's called the Tunnel Club now. Tunnel, yeah. Um yeah. yeah, I mean they just they just kind of let us like get on with it really. They they don't Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very
0: unique, very unique.
1: Chris Chris Wishart is the guy who He ran the Punk and New Wave Society and it kind of grew out of that. <laughs> it's oh, so amazing he he did a night you, did you go to you went to university i had a lot of friends 20? who went to birmingham university but i i went to i went to a technical oh the
2: technical school. right 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 so he right.
1: he did a night like you know that was that was part of the as a punk and new wave society night he did he the first night was called uh the house of god and um i remember uh-huh. i was at his house and we were trying to think he was trying to think uh, what to call a night, and I said, What's your favorite record? And he said, The House of God. So that's how that's oh, yeah, DHS, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we were, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. big fans of that. Um, yeah, right, night amazing record. So, yeah, uh, that was that was where that name came from. And it was just, it oh, was, that's just, funny. I think there were two, I think there were two, two nights or three that, that were at Birmingham University uh under the punk and ui site, and then and then uh we moved to um a club in um in birmingham we were in the basement of a club called the institute and I think it was it was owned by the the keyboard player from from yeah I, giraffe, think,
0: uh, I, I, be, I think it was the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's John Taylor yeah Tony, John yeah, Taylor owned John, yeah.
1: the club yeah and Amazing. yeah it, we, we just had these crazy nights in this basement and we actually got to this Roger point, Taylor sorry we actually got to this point where where the, our nights in the basement were doing better than the nights in the kind of <laughs> <big> <laughs>
2: the main in the upstairs club, so.
1: but yeah it was <laughs> it was insane it was absolutely. It was the intense the 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 intensity was just insane and i remember i always say about tell the story about how djing there when you when when i would start to mix the next record in the 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 raw the noise from the crowd was so loud i couldn't wow. hear, so i had to just stop mixing and then i would wow. start it again the, you know when they hear the next track come in they're like oh yeah yeah yeah. oh you man you can't that's hear amazing. anything and so you just have to like just throw it in and it was incredible just, like i mean that energy of the
2: you know there's so much music now but you know at the at that point i can imagine that it's just like, yeah, like every playing, track you know, is just, so important yeah the you know, sea you that, know, that you're this, playing
1: you are stuff like the sea wolf and things like that and just like yeah, absolutely right, right, just right. like <clears throat> no, and people have not heard music like that, and it was just like yeah, right. melting their brains.
0: Yeah. Every single DJ at the House of God was so wildly different. It wasn't the right. same thing. Tony was probably that's the only DJ who played that side music. Everything was yeah. so uniquely different.
1: Yeah, that was all, all the It's right. amazing. He, yeah, it, it was. It was really very much based around um, the resident DJs, and it still is really. Yeah, the, it's all the,
0: residents. The, yeah. right. You're not gonna hear Jeff yeah. football, no, That's for sure. that's the way rave culture was, I guess, to an extent, you know, yeah, it was still in its absolute infancy. We were, at, we were really on the cusp of something new. There was no real industry involved with it. There was, yeah, there was, and there was just a few disparate people, you know, we knew through Tony, oh, there was this great label in London called blueprint and they're doing they something yeah, sure. you know, there's similar people who do similar stuff to us and it's Oh
1: yeah, what so what happened with that? I got Yeah, it's, I'm through, curious about through, that. Uh, through I guess the distribution arm of network records, someone someone yeah, right. someone gave me the white label of the first blueprint release and it and as yeah. as as was the way at the time, they wrote their phone number on the record. Of course. So, yeah. I I just I dialed the number and said, "Oh, hi, this is Tony Surgeon. Um, is that James?" And we, <laughs> you know, yeah. we, I just, I just phoned him up because the number was amazing. Number and I and I said and I arranged to go down to London, get the train down to London, and just hang out with them for a weekend, and and it was
0: just. And I remember around that time, really, pretty early on, actually. I mean, maybe maybe it was '95, early '96. We yeah. we did a combined night in Brixton at the yeah. Crypt in Brixton. And if I think back to that night, then and the people in that room, it was just just a bunch of kids, but really, like I said, on the cusp of some. There was some invisible momentum. There was something pushing it. The, the momentum was so powerful with what was happening at that stage, what, what do. Cause we do, because we we weren't self aware. There was no scene. There was there was no real press that would be interested in us. There was obviously, I mean, nobody knew what I looked like until you know the end of the nineties. Everybody assumed I was Tony, I and mean, that's yeah. how yeah, right, yeah, yeah yeah that's how great things were. I think right. even at that stage, I didn't even want to be. I didn't even want to make music. I didn't want to make music. Didn't,
1: I, didn't you? Wasn't really? Wasn't your, I mean, my understanding is that Carl initially wanted to run the label. I
0: just wanted like to run the label. I just did not want, I mean, because right. I, I mean, I was into techno, but I wasn't that into, I and mean, I'm not really, when people say, you know, how did you get into techno? But I've never really been into it. I think it's okay. Yeah. I think it's <laughs> a great. It's great. And it's, a <laughs> moment. I really love this great, that moment of, you know, that this moment we're talking about, but yeah, I never yeah, really yeah, wanted yeah. to do it. So the problem was Tony followed his, his, his first record up with another successful record yes Then i thought oh god i can't we, we might need to sort of it's a label we might need to get more artists So i thought oh shit yes maybe i'll have to do something because i've got no friends <laughs> it was, it was certainly none that had any talent so i just looked through some of my old DATs and stuff and i cobbled together some stuff that uh, uh that i've recorded and i like, thought that that sounds kind of okay and yeah then we right. did that. and then we then um <laughs> That was the Mont. The, the- yeah, the Montreal. Yeah, the Montreal. Because I'd recorded a little bit earlier, you know, you know, around the same, just a little bit after when Tony did uh, Magnes. I was just messing around at that time, and yeah, we right. put it out. And then Jesus Christ Almighty! Then that was massive. and then, Oh shit! We've got to be. <laughs> yes. I've got to do. I've got to do this. I've got to do this now and follow this up. No, yeah. I had no no intention of being. An artist, certainly not a DJ. I had no interest of in being a DJ or any of that. No, no, or me even making techno records, not at all. So, wow, yeah. And it seems like
1: you, you've you've fa- you've failed, unfortunately. I've
0: come so. on holiday by mistake. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think for me
1: for me as well. I feel like it was something that just happened to me. I, I didn't I didn't like draw up some grand plan in my bedroom about no. it being a, a deep, you know, playing DJing around the world. You know, I never, yeah, I never. Yeah, I didn't that, that wasn't something that I aspired to and wanted. It just it just happened to me. I was unemployed, I had no job and um it that 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 just kind of happened
0: yeah, to me. I mean it's back, it's back to being naive. Yeah. It's back to being naive again, but that was the beauty of it. It really was yeah. that naive and that was the how we really approached it and what our you know because we had no ambition with it because there was nothing to have an ambition about there was no structured scene that you could like step up or network with people to get so and so gigs sure there, you know and of course as well it was so- it was
1: it was like literally it was literally the phone would ring and, and in you know i'm living in like a shared house really cheap yeah. accommodation the phone would ring and it would be like uh, Felix the house cat on the phone. Or, you know, <laughs> oh, no, no. My- yeah, yeah, yeah. Of oh, Tony, there's a guy called Felix to house cat wants to talk to you. Yeah. You know, and it would, be, it would be so kind of random. And yeah, and that's where gigs yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Someone, some. Yeah. I guess because it was written on a record or something, someone would phone the number sure. yeah. and say, of "Oh you no, know, we want you to come to pl- and play in Japan," and and you're like, yeah, "Oh, well, I guess you know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything else." I so
0: mean, th- the, this is the th- the thing is as well. It was so rudimentary at that stage, I and mean, we we really were in the wild west because yeah. you want to do a gig, sure. Where do you want to? It's getting on an aeroplane to Spain. These, forget about yeah. pre internet. This is pre having yeah. mobile phones. Oh, uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah no of, course, of course. And plus, as well, it was pre euro, so you had to get loads of peseta. Oh, my so God. Yeah, currencies. We have no currency. And then we got, you know, and you could be left in the middle of nowhere in the middle of rural Spain. Yeah. No, Not a
2: lot of people speak in English out there. Well, so. <laughs>
0: well, 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 no means of, well, no money, no means yeah, of communication. Of and it yeah. was like, if you think about what, you just wouldn't do that now because it's so yeah. dangerous. And th- so it was the Wild West. And so when you hear about, you know, people, ne- you know, I don't, I don't want to say people, but, you know, it was it was definitely, we were at the edge of it and it was from the cut, yeah. something genuinely exciting. You know, I mean, you, I'm, ki- you know, go, go ahead. I know, go ahead. I mean, me and Tony as well. I remember we were, we were, we used to be like, we used to have layovers of about not, six hours in Madrid airport. Yeah, and we'd have, we were too mean. <laughs> To even buy like a sandwich that costs, like a, cost, like, a th- you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We
0: They're just walking around like, like, yeah. really like fucking sh- people, shell shocked mental patients. Not yeah. <laughs> just to say that. And we used to, you know, I used to steal the toilet rolls from the hotels because they bring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. And it was just, because it was just like, this surely can't last. And uh, yeah, but so, I mean, that's- you know, not pain, you know but that, that's pretty much the climate. But then you used to know, you well know, i'm i'm curious right. with
2: with downwards like you know for the first surgeon release you know like what did you do for distribution how did people you know how did you get these records out into the hands of people you know? well i
0: was i was, I was quite I was quite fortunate actually because um i was with a i used to work for a company also called Classic hair distribution, which are primarily heavy metal right. distributors, so, so yeah. they got it out. And That's it incredible. Like Germany had a really big distributor as well. You know, there was yeah. no, there wasn't sort of a dance distribution then as such. Yeah, you know, there was a lot
2: yeah. So how did it get? How did it get sold? I mean, how to, or marketed or whatever? You know, this is just new new electronic music. Well, from the, well, or this, or is the,
0: this is the funny thing: marketing. It was. Um, We've never done that ever. We never. No, for, of course, I mean, of course. Been, but so
2: just to get, just to get people to, just to get the distributors to buy well, the it. The thing know.
0: was, I had a funny phone call one night. Somebody phoned me up, and it was, um, it was EMI. <laughs> and EMI when, when happened, was
2: when was this? Reckon,
0: um, this is like ninety six, and amazing. they wanted to know who are. Who our PR agent was, who our agent, was, <laughs> who, our, who our press agent was, because
2: yeah, 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 Tony's
0: album gets so much press and everything everywhere, and I said, well, we don't have one. Maybe we should just make good music. And they, yet again, they thought I was taking the piss. Because we'd, we'd never paid for press.
2: So they were fishing for your the press agent because you guys were doing such a good job, quote-unquote. They wanted to know how our press agent was. EMI did. Incredible.
0: EMI, Incredible. EMI, EMI, EMI did. And it was this girl at EMI, I remember it. And she was so... she Well, she thought I was taking the piss again, but I was...
2: Oh, that you wouldn't give her the, the name. Yeah, I wouldn't give her the
0: whatever. name. I said, well, honestly, yeah. we, we, just, we don't do that, you know.
2: and it's un- it's, unthinkable to her, yeah. I'm sure. No,
0: so has, has the 90s progressed... And then you know Tony was getting bigger and bigger, and then he you know he did his classic Berlin trilogy, which, which, which you know yeah, did a Bowie sure. and all that, and he became you know the the, the universal superstar we all know and love today. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I just went to, I just I, I just moved to New York and became a junkie. So that, yeah, there you go. The problem was I kept I celebrated so hard with our initial success. The the night, I hadn't stopped celebrating by the end of the 90s and realized fucking hell, it's all out. You know, the train had gone and. <laughs> music,
2: yeah, it's gone. It's left the station. It's
0: over. Yeah, it's over, music boys. stars had changed and stuff. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, maybe I have to sort of, you know, the money had run out. The good times had right. turned into bad times. I'm, another important thing as well, because I met, I'm, you know, during those early days of those fax conversations, I got a really interesting fax off. Yeah. A guy from a guy from America, a guy called Dan DC, and he said, Oh, do you want to come yes. to America and play some gigs? And I thought, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, I do. Yeah, so it, it was the for America and New York in particular for me was always, even though maybe musically my a lot of my it was very European based, to go to New York was to get to New York was what I always wanted to do, right? It, honestly, right. and it's not a lot of people, because I just wanted to be there. And so I, I got a flight uh, with a friend. What, what, year, was, what year was this? Ninety six. Ninety six. So I was, oh, I was built oh, to do Regis, a uh, Regis live. Yeah. I had no idea of how to do anything live, so yeah. it was a lot of backing yeah, track. Yeah. So I, I got right. my. So basically, at that stage, it was me and my friend Richard Harvey. That's what, that was Regis, yes. Actually, yes. So, so we got off the plane in uh, Newark, and uh, we ended up the first night in Edison, New Jersey. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> uh, you know very esteemed
2: uh, esteemed city well, Edison, well, they, yeah, and it was
0: guy. it was it was so interesting and then we were headlong into suburban and were you New York, w- did you pl- Did you stay in Edison well, or we were you, were see, you playing, stay, playing then, we sta- then we stayed at their parents house Jan's parents house now the funny ah, thing is amazing. Dan now is one of the most successful lobbyists in uh, Washington you can see him on the news all this wow. time. I can't I won't no, well, you can't comment on his YouTube post anyway because everybody knows his path. <laughs> he, he, well, he's one of he was he's one of the most esteemed lobbyists, and um, yeah. Oh, that's incredible! Uh, and wow. so you can see him on the TV all the time in the states. It's really funny because I know the shit in. Wow.
2: Wow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. He better not do anything. He better well, not I mean, fuck he, up. He's
0: a massive Regis fan. He so he helps. Basically, then. Uh, you know, after three days, said, look, well, you know, can we go into the city? You know, I really want to see New York. So he said, okay, I've got this friend in the city. You can stay with him. Right. That's great. And my yeah. friend turned out to be Dave Sumner, Dave Function.
2: Wow. Oh, that's so <laughs> funny. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. That's amazing. And he
0: had this place on 30th between 7th and 8th Avenue. It was overlooking, oh, it was overlooking the garden. Um, I, <laughs> think, uh, I think I bought this huge apartment that had the studio in, um wow, and hell? it was a above rogue music. And um, rogue, if you ever remember, okay. what rogue music used to be in this building. And uh, the, right. okay. the, the view, the view now is it, it was it was mind blowing. You had the garden, and you had the Empire State Building. And I think That's they incredible. paid. I think they were paying even then, which was a, of course extreme amount of money. But I think it was about thirteen hundred dollars a month.
1: <laughs> and That's it was insane. and I thought It'd be about 10
2: times as much as that now
0: oh, you, couldn't, you couldn't you couldn't get this place now yeah. you, you cannot get this for him but it's yeah um, and so Dave was there and it was yeah I mean Dave introduced me to a world that I really really well, to that New York world and is a very unique generation of New Yorkers that I thought were normal you know people like <laughs> Robin, Adnet, Read Truth Head of Hearts uh, Marie 909 these people Probably some of the most extreme people I'd ever met, in it, but, but complete New York characters, <laughs> so street level New York that yeah yeah, for yeah, me yeah it was yeah. fantastic. So basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. we had the drug dealer who lived upstairs. Then you had yeah. the, you had the down on the uh, the tenth floor with rogue music. Of course, you had all this gear, all the, the right. music shop where Dave worked at that time. So right. Dave lived on the fourteenth floor. Yeah, it, it, all he had to do was go down four four flights. In the in the in the elevator to get to work, and obviously what happened? He got fired for being late. So, <laughs> and it was Jesus. just because you know, and I was—we just didn't need. To, but it, New York at that particular time had this. It was really the last of old New York. I feel, yeah, you know, yeah, it, yeah. it was Absolutely. that kind of. It was extremely, you know, blah blah blah. Ed, we all know, but it really had yeah. an amazing feel about it. That It really hasn't had since yeah for me personally yeah. and it, yeah. it, it was it's day and night almost but the it was yeah. it was just electric yeah and it was great yeah. because you know making these records that we'd made at home in the yes. midlands in birmingham and all of a sudden you're on dance floors in new york city and people are dancing and playing your records you know you, you're the cool. you know, you're the star of your own b movie you know incredible and it was just yes. um it was just that you know things like Twilo. Yeah, right. And, you know, through Dave as well, I met all these fabulous nightlife characters, you know, I mean, yeah. in particular, you know, Lionel, Arthur Weinstein in particular, the legend. Yeah, right, right. He's like a notorious. Notorious. And for, for some reason, Arthur really took me under his wing and he was fabulous. Oh, amazing. I, oh, I didn't he know loved, that. I really loved Dave. Loved Dave, oh, like he really, uh, you know, almost, but he didn't, he hated a lot of people we were actually part of we, we we were touring me and dave uh he was part yeah. of the touring out the downwards because tony was off doing his thing being you right. know global superstar and i got you know yeah. and then dave and me were trying you know just doing these little tours and i see you know, yeah, was yeah, coming, yeah. You know he was coming to spain and then we were coming back so we we're part of this real kind of very interest you know new yeah. york birmingham type of thing he'd come over to my house and yeah, it was kind of so odd, you know. All of a sudden, you had all these disparate people coming through my house. One day, you know, there'd be one yeah. the girl <laughs> from DAF, and then, so one day there'd be yeah, Martin yeah, yeah. napkins from Pill, and it's like, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking, it was just really weird. And then we go back to New York, and then had all these other kind of, you know, it was just amazing, really amazing, yeah, time that oh, was to have to experience that, you know, in my mid twenties was just just fabulous, you know. And then, but obviously entwined with all of that was and a pretty sort of an annihilistic anal- yeah <laughs> that <laughs> sure, was that course. was that i never really i would never experienced because i've been pretty much straight edge i was completely straight edge yeah. up until this point you know i didn't really even, oh that's pretty, interesting i didn't even drink i didn't really even drink yeah until like, my late 20s to be honest because like in, yeah that was just hanging out with james ruskin yeah you <laughs> know, I got yeah, yeah drinking and um Yeah, so it was kind of quite interesting all of that was. So the timeline was, so that really then took me up, took us all up to, you know, the early sort of, the early 2000s or the late 90s, you know, and we were just, yeah, making all these records, great records. things were getting very, very easy and not yeah. easy, but they were very, it was very fluid at that time. And it was fun. And, but I think then things changed then, you know, styles changed, things a lot more professional as well. And the things that we could yeah, get away yeah. with in the early and mid nineties in, in terms of being a professional and ragged and raw, they just, yeah. Can't yeah. Do, no, yeah.
1: I'm, I'm still surprised what we can get away with. Well, okay. <laughs> we, <can't>. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. we, we still do gigs now. And I, I can't believe that we get away with it. Well, yeah,
0: hey, that's some, some heritage thing, or they just oh, yeah. they feel sorry for it because people, you know, we were we're not careerists, so we just weren't because yeah. we, you know it's yeah. the, the same way that Jerry Lee Lewis and Johnny Cash and Elvis weren't careerists when they were doing five gigs a night, popping blues in the back of a car, you know. Yeah, absolutely. We, you know, and, absolutely. and that's and that's, the, and that's the truth, you know. And everybody, yeah. And it's just, it's the same for everybody, it's, you know. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot of the, of the a lot of the English electronic bands of the early '80s you know, were there because suicide did the groundwork to some extent, you know, and, yeah, that's, the way, and that's the way it is. And I think if you're happy with that yeah. and you understand the way things, I think there's nothing worse than trying to pursue something, especially if it's a youth thing as well, you know. There's, there's some, something really unsavoury about seeing people in their 30s, 40s and beyond trying to recreate something that happened. And a lot of people are trying to do oh, that yeah. as well, you know. Yeah. What I actually do love about techno it actually broke down the DNA of rock and roll and structure. It, right. it distilled it to its essence. There was no verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Even the most experimental or punk band like TG or anything like that, they still had there was, you know, TG were the Velvets. There were still four of them. Right. There was still something. They still, they still stopped in between. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they stopped. It, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. a continuum right. like dance music right. was. It wasn't, right. you know, right. and I think that's what I really loved about about our form of techno, not so much the early trait. The you know what's what's you know thought of as the early techno, like you know, sure. our, definitely what U R did and what Jeff Mills did and Rob Hood did, yeah. and Dan sure, Charles, sure, George sure. Young. You know th- that that they were that absolutely that. And it's uh, yeah, sure, that's, that's, yeah. That's I, mean, I've, you, talk, I mean,
2: i you've talked. I know you've talked about sort of the kind of I guess, what was the t- exotic hypnotics
0: or whatever. Yeah, exactly, like Peter, yeah so, the Sort the of hypnotica. Yeah, I think it was. Tony really noted it because he was obviously Tony being a DJ. He said, Well, it's really interesting. Some of these tracks that we do, well, mine in particular, that don't really have much change and yeah. just nuances. After a while, playing them and people listen, they can all of a sudden, when people lock in, it's that magic hour or that magic mo- that magic second where people are locked into something. Yeah and it's, they, go, they go euphoric again and nothing's actually happened. Yeah. So, you know, you don't yeah. have to have it like, you know, now you have to, or the traditional things, you have to have a breakdown or this or that. So, you right. have to kind of cut cut time we, up in a way. Yeah. The type of stuff we did didn't do, and it didn't adhere to any of those rules, but still had the same effect. And I found that really, that's real experimental music. Yeah. The velvets are central to what we do. I'm not, I'm not sure how central the velvets are to, the majority of people who make techno. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You know, the Bonzo do dog band are sort of central British absurdists. Mont- that's really... Mont- oh, that's amazing. Mont- I never
2: would have Mont- necessarily... Monty Python, you know?
0: But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Beefheart. I mean... Of course. You know, all all, the, all this stuff is central. I'm not too sure... How central that is to British. some somebody at this particular moment who's playing some mega rave Br- in Holland.
1: British, uh, yeah. I, I, I've said, I've said for a long, long time that British Murder Boys are are the yeah. UK's best love, absurdist space rock duo.
2: Yes. Oh man. So, and of course, and of course, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, that might be the tagline for this. <laughs> well, for this, it is. Uh,
0: full, <laughs> <laughs> of course, it, it full circle as well because sleazy authorized the name British Murder Boys. Really? Wait, talk about that for a second. Well Tony can <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, uh, Yeah, I during uh, at that that time that I mentioned about how uh he he invited us over, he I, I told him our project name and he I think it I yeah, I think it turned him on basically.
2: Yeah. <laughs> In a maybe a literal way. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, well absolutely. And
0: he said, Oh yes, oh yes, I like that.
1: <laughs> oh
2: absolutely,
0: that's the thing. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's
2: amazing. There must be
0: footage of these because li- these live sets are like notorious. I think some of them have never re- there was a great one we did in Birmingham, yeah um that was filmed by locals. Uh, some local students that had obviously never picked up a camera before in their lives, unfortunately. So that, I mean, that's <laughs> amazing. Technical disaster. Technical yeah. disaster. But that gig was great. But um, Oh, amazing. Yeah, but you know, I mean, we, we were always out of step with British Murder Boys as well. But I mean, yeah. all great art in the 21st or 20th century was made by true outsiders. Yeah, yeah. You can't, that's be, right. you can't be an outsider now because everyone's inside because you're all on the same yeah, platform. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's a fucking yeah. insider thing, yeah. you know. I think it's... Uh, yes. But no, you, you are quite... We, we, we you know... Just try to be outsiders, you know, as much as you can. Well, I'm, I mean, I you know, I would say like with downwards and with
2: with both of you guys going back to sort of the primary conversation of the sort of influences of UK DIY, you know, whatever. There's there's a really it it is really apparent, you know, in your guys's work, especially from the the genesis of it that there is this like. Very, I mean, punk, I guess, you know, if you want to say that. But really just DIY well, we're, we're, ethos, we're, you know.
0: We're informed by things other than dance music, though. We're informed of by course, the, yeah. the music. You know, there, there yeah. is a, this is completely natural to us, and a lot of people have came before us, obviously, you know. And uh, that's it.
2: You guys, this was extremely, extremely fun. I'm completely flattered you guys wanted to do this. I hope it wasn't too painful yeah, for you guys. Funny. It was fun. Actually, it was completely thrilling for me to to get these anecdotes and hear this stuff just to hear just for me just selfishly personally just to hear that trajectory of how you go through it you know it's to see to hear about how someone else did it especially in a time that is not so distant
0: but distant enough now mm-hmm. that it's kind of like a little well, mysterious you know, I, to I, people today I, I definitely feel there's a you know we do i think me and tony genuinely do feel not only feel there is a direct connection from our, our the people who we love like the coil and the people before that you know? yes and then it goes yes. like but that, you could trace that and then to a direct connection back to the velvets and even before absolutely that. and that's and, and that's it you see so yeah yeah, there's an un- there. There is a hundred percent an unbroken and for you as well. Same with you. The same with the same with you. The same with the same with everybody who cares. give a yes. fuck about music. That's the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Enum, I just find it very satisfying. The absolute yeah. independence of it, the pure independence away away from well. The
1: yeah, play. That, that, that that totally. Yeah, that totally resonates with us. As you know, is is yeah. I'm sure is kind of obvious, really.
0: You know.
2: No, for sure. I mean, it's you know. I think it goes without saying that we were all listening to your music before we ever got in contact with you and before we ever started Nina so I mean we Mike both Mike and I ran labels Mike ran a label he started a label when he was 15 you know I've started a label my late teens early 20s you know and it's like there's no other way (laughs) <laughs> For us, you know, and it, and it, that's where we come from. There's kind of no other option. Well, it know? comes
0: through as well as when, we, you know, both of you, you know, you and Mike, there's something that's unquantifiable in this, you know, that, that happens with what you're doing. And it's, I, I really, really like that. And you, f- yeah, you know, that's... and back to, I, I feel that I'm on the cusp of something that could be really potentially interesting. Hell yeah. You know, yeah. And, and that's what it, And I never felt that with any other platform, by the way. It was just Maybe. the same old sake the same, same old, same old of, what was happening yeah. before archaic setups of distribution? The only,
2: yeah, the only thing course. is, oh,
0: you get paid quicker. Well, yeah, you, you do, yeah. you don't. But people are taking a fucking fair wedge off you for that. But yeah, so we'll exactly. see how we'll see how we'll see how everything transpires. You know. Yeah.
2: Well, it's I mean, in addition to being early adopters and early into it, you you guys are the ones who are uh, determining where it's going (laughs) you're you're a set you guys are essential so don't fuck it up first of all don't fuck it up (laughs)
0: yeah exactly well the thing is what happens (laughs) we'll fucking get fucked and some kids down the line will be professional yeah make a killing ass that's all that's all man yeah man
2: hey enjoy your evening i'll talk to you guys soon see ya Bye. bye bye Thanks to Carl and Tony for joining me to speak about their lives in electronic music. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to 400 Floor wherever you get your podcasts. To hear the raw and uncut version of this episode, plus much more bonus material, you can purchase it at 400floor.com. That's the number 400 and the word floor.com. 400 Floor is a podcast produced by Nina Protocol, where two musicians pair up to talk about the roots individually and together and reflect on the communities that shape them. We'll be back in a few weeks with another deep dive. Thanks for listening.